Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. I want to talk NFL. I'm determined to talk NFL, Coulter. But we can just just do a couple minutes here. I don't think I will be able to contain you, though, on this, I'm afraid. But what you talked about... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I know you want to tread lightly, but I guess we had a little conversation off air, and basically your premise was that there's been many people, here, many people in the state of Montana that have also been... had somewhat of an elevated level of arrogance. I, I think that... I think the difference is <laughs> Montana is such an insulated. It's like I tell we we've worked with so many different TV colleagues throughout our time in the media in Montana. Right, I've been working in some form or fashion of media in Montana since 2006, and I've seen so many different TV personalities, sports reporters, yep. guys and girls, come and go. And a part of that is just because Montana's a Missoula's a small market, Bozeman's a small market. You come here right out of school, you cut your teeth, and then I've known a lot of people that have gone on to great things. I mean, like, look at Lindsay Theory right now. I mean, she works at ESPN covering USC and LA sports. She was at Great Falls less than 10 years ago. I remember yep. hanging out with Lindsay all the time. Good for her. But the thing I always tell the, the TV kids is that when they ask me, you know, what, what would you say is what it's like to cover sports in Montana? And I always tell them, Almost everything that happens in the world of sports here in Montana matters nothing at all to everybody else in the world, but it means the world to the people of Montana. And I think that defines what Montana is in terms of Montana's isolated. It's off the beaten path. It's out of the outside of the public consciousness in America by and large. And I think that that's why most of the people that live here want to live here. Yeah. We love the the anonymous nature of it. And I think that the thing is, when people like Brock Oswell and Ryan Leaf and the Petrinos leave the state, we root for their success so hard. And if they represent us in a way that is not how Montana is, 
like to to see the way that some of those guys carried that, like to see the, the rise and fall of Ryan Leaf was an incredibly heart-wrenching experience for people across Montana. I mean, mm-hmm. Jack Johnson is one of the most steadfast, great coaches in the history of high school football anywhere. I mean, the guy won 320 games, 13 state titles at Great Falls CMR. And so for CMR to be effectively disowned by Ryan Leaf when he's at his height. When Ryan then, Leaf yeah. was a, a finals for the Heisman, right. he told Sports Illustrated, yeah, I don't really claim Mon- Great Falls, Montana as my hometown anymore. I say I'm from, I'm from Pullman. He was trying to be cute. But that's just like putting the dagger in the heart of everybody right. from Great Falls. But also, it. it's so interesting, though, because he come a- after his, you know, comeback, his personal comeback, which has uh, been really, I mean, wonderful to watch over the last eight, ten years, whatever it is, and actually goes back to Great Falls and hosts, you know, is is a, a speaker there, which, you know, not, not the easiest thing in the world, as we talked about, probably for him to have done. Uh, I mean, I think that it, he has re-endeared himself, maybe endeared himself for the first time to very many people broadly and also in the state of Montana in particular. Here's my, here's the only thing that I was going to say, though, is that if you talk about the state of Montana, like we're, we're painting with broad strokes, okay? We're talking about cultures of states and so forth and so on. And there's always counterexamples to this and everything else. Absolutely. And if you're in the state of Montana... You think that the people in the state of Montana are some of the greatest people, salt of the earth people that you could ever find. And you know what? They are. It's true. But culturally, if you are coming from the outside in, it's hard to break into that. Montanas are fiercely independent people. They pride themselves on a certain level of toughness. They pride themselves on a, on, on a major level of independence. And while they uh, are, I think, very broadly always able and willing to help and especially help their neighbors, they're also not, you know necessarily the most inviting welcoming group in general whereas if you go like when you go my understanding you move to the south and it's just neighbors for days bringing you pies bringing you cakes and i'm sure there's very many counterexamples to that but you know the the southern hospitality and all of that kind of stuff you don't get that in montana you sort of work your way into it now we could talk about authenticity and all that kind of stuff all day long and that's fine but the thing that i find is interesting is i don't think it's just arrogance I think there's plenty of arrogant, quote-unquote, arrogant people in, in the state of Montana or have left the state of Montana that are still beloved within the state of Montana because there isn't the acerbic nature person-to-person or, 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 or interaction that we've seen. If you talk about Bobby Houck, half of this state thinks Bobby Houck is 100 times more arrogant than anybody else out there, sure. right? And you know, A lot of people in the state also think Jeff Choate thinks he's way smarter than he is and thinks he talks too right, much. Right, right. All of that. A lot, and of, it, a lot of those are emotional because exactly. you're attached it's as a It's reflecting of you, okay? Right. But here's the thing we can say. Bobby Houck, in the way that he comes across, comes across perfectly arrogant in the football sense all of the no time. No question. But here's what's funny. Even when he, when he, when he relates to us as media members at the press conferences, it's, it's not enjoyable. Okay, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't get. It's great before and after, never but that, during. But this is what I'm going to say. When you, when, as soon as the cameras go off and everything, and he comes up, and now you're talking, and it's laughs, and it's you know something. That's why the people who love Bobby out truly love him because when he is with you, it's it's great. It's funny. It's fun. It's all of that stuff. Absolutely. And then when you watch him on TV, you go, well, who would ever want to talk to this guy? Well, the answer is pretty much everybody. And, and I guess the, and uh, that's what's so interesting because there's a disconnect there with the guys that you're talking about, you know, that have left and you and now have been, you know, 
who look like actually what they have appeared to be on TV and elsewhere is in fact true about them. Whereas there's like two competing narratives about, well, what's the reality of who is Bobby Houck? And I mean, it really just comes down to Bobby Houck, depending on what side of the aisle you fall on, he's, he's either arrogant or he carries himself with the utmost confidence and this undeniable refusal to lose at literally anything. But Bobby walks, talks, acts, shakes hands like a Montanan. He showed up to the signing day press conference wearing a cinch rodeo shirt and Wranglers and cowboy boots. And like you don't want to make too much out of somebody's appearance or whatever, but when you're doing it through the lens of a Montana, I mean, there's been plenty of guys that are larger than life or that that are brash and, and somewhat in your face that that's have right. been in Montana. When you're doing it in Montana, that's great. And if you do it outside of Montana, on a, a great, I mean, Mick Denton, he is butte as there is from butte. And when he was at Utah State, he was very butte, but he wasn't misrepresenting Montana. Right. I think it's what people from Montana don't want to be represented with the dude who's riding the motorcycle with his mistress. Like that's right. that, that's not what we're about. We're about family values and being good neighbors and things like that. I mean, it's like David just sent along to us. David's from Little Rock, Arkansas. So he's very familiar with Arkansas football, the rise of Bobby Petrino at Arkansas, and mm-hmm. the fall of Bobby Petrino at Arkansas. And it's like he said, I can understand why Montana people wouldn't want to necessarily claim Bobby Petrino. Right. And then when you know anybody that's crossed paths with these guys and stuff, I mean, it's, it's I don't know. We don't want to sit here and just completely bash it because I will say from a completely objective perspective, They've both done some great things in the game of football. Again, Bobby Petrino recruited oh, Lamar Jackson I mean, to Louisville. No, I mean, they're great. I mean, they've been unbelievable. Unbelievable. Thing. Yes. Unbelievable. Yes. No doubt. But I, I, I think that like the Ryan Leaf example is just, it's the most pertinent one because he, he rose to such high heights and everybody in Montana wanted to love him. And if Ryan Leaf would have failed on the football field like he did, but with way more grace... I think he never would have become this outsider like yeah. he did. Yeah. We would have just embraced him. But then you all it also just beckons the thought of if he just would have lived with humility, would he have had all the trials and tribulations that he has had? Right. I mean it, it, exactly. I mean it's the unknowable thing, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. Hey, this has been an enjoyable talk. Thank you for it, Coulter. Two Tell Nuanas, one of two ninety ESPN Radio. Here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna take an early break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk NFL. Okay, people, championship weekend coming back. Yes, David, we're doing it next. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed, I do. So I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information... 
Visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. The Green Bay Packers going to the state of California, which has been their absolute nemesis this season playing in the state of California. The Tennessee Titans, they are going to play the Kansas City Chiefs, who were down by 24 before they won by 20. A very odd happenstance. Uh, odd? <laughs> it's not, yes. It's, it's uh, not the word I would use. Uh, completely out of the control, man. It was complete, completely unique. It was com- they went on a 51 They went on a 51-7 run. Who's ever scored seven touchdowns and seven drives in the NFL? Who? I want to know if that's ever happened before in the playoffs. Ever. Was it, was it seven and seven or was it six and seven? And then no, the it was field seven and seven. Touchdown. It was seven and seven, and then Patrick Mahomes tried to stay on the field to make it eight of eight to go for four, and then Andy yeah. Reid decided to kick the field goal instead. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty remarkable. Uh, let's start with the uh, Packers 49ers football game, Coulter. Uh, first of all, this is bad news for the C- uh, for the Green Bay Packers in the following sense. The Packers have lost three games this season. They lost to the Eagles in Lambeau in week four. After that, their two losses happened in three weeks, two out of three weeks. They lost to the Chargers where they were, I mean, just completely humiliated by, at the time, a very bad Chargers team. 26-11, to 11, they lose by 15 there. And then this very 49ers team, they lost 37-8 to eight two weeks later. Uh, so what's that, 29 points that they lost by? So a grand total of 44 points that they've lost by in their two games in the state of California. I would say maybe don't go out the night before the NFC Championship game would be one recommendation I would make to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the other thing I would say is uh, just, I don't know, run away from the entire defensive line of the San Francisco 49ers. That's the other thing. Uh, but here's one one thing I want to go before we get into the actual matchup here, Coulter. I want to I give you some 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 quarterback stuff. Because Aaron Rodgers has been a little bit down this year in terms of what he has been, right? It, it, has it, he or has it been an adjustment to the offense? Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, okay? Yeah, and I, right. That's a good question. They're a run-first team for the first time in Aaron Rodgers' tenure as a starter. It's amazing. It's not as if they're doing it at an incredibly prolific level, but their offense starts and ends with the run game. Okay. Derrick Henry, right, led the league in rushing this year. How many touchdowns he scored rushing? 16, Derrick Henry. You know how many touchdowns Aaron Jones scored rushing for the Green Bay Packers? 16. 16. So, and, you know, Derrick Henry has basically 500 more yards 1,500 and change compared to 1,000 and change for Aaron Jones, but nonetheless. But how about this, Coulter? Are you ready for this? One quarterback threw for 4,031 yards and 26 touchdowns so far this season. Hey, Reg. Another quarterback threw for 4,002 yards and 26 touchdowns this season. Garoppolo. Aaron Rodgers is the latter. Okay. Patrick Mahomes is the former. Mm. Now down year four thousand yards of twenty six touchdowns. Let's be let's be what a day to be alive. And, and let's be clear now. This includes the the playoff game for both of these guys. So that's a seventeenth game. And also Mahomes was out for three games. Was it three or three or four games? I think three games. So I understand that Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has thrown more passes. 
And his completion percentage is about 62%. Patrick Mahomes is at 66%. So Mahomes is completing at a higher rate and throwing for more yards per completion to basically have the exact same total number of yards. But everybody's on Patrick Mahomes, and they should be, because he is... I mean, he, he's he's absolutely can't miss TV. I mean, I he's I said this before, Coulter. I stand by it. He's the best thrower of the football I have ever seen. Okay, best thrower of the football I've ever seen. So, I'm not sitting here trying to say anything particularly at all. But at the end of the day, four thousand yards and twenty six touchdowns is what both of these guys have. And the difference is that the Chiefs are 1,000% in a pass-first offense, whereas, to your point, the Green Bay Packers, for the first time in Aaron Rodgers' career, are in a run-first a, a, a run or accept at least a run-even offense. But let's talk about this matchup between the Packers and the San Francisco 49ers because when you look at the defensive front and the return of several guys to that San Francisco— I mean, San Francisco— has looked good all season long. They've looked elite, like unbeatable at through through spots. And they got three defensive starters back that they did not have in the last week or two of the season going into that divisional game against the Minnesota Vikings. And outside of one, you know, pretty outstanding individual play by Stefan Diggs for the touchdown, the Minnesota Vikings did absolutely nothing. I mean, zero, even with Dalvin Cook. I mean, we, we covered it, but it's 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 remarkable. So they are now hosting a team who they beat in this very same field by 29 points in the regular season. And while I don't expect it to be a, a, a blowout like that again, the San Francisco 49ers have got to be licking their chops to be seeing the Green Bay Packers coming in there, it seems to me. At the same time, the Green Bay Packers can say that was an anomaly. That's not who we are. We're a 14-3 football team with absolutely outstanding lines in both directions. I mean, the defensive line doesn't get better than what the 49ers have. The Packers' offensive line, though, is right there. They're certainly a top five, maybe better than that, offensive line unit in in the league this year who got overrun the first time these two teams played and nothing worked. If the San Francisco 49ers can do that again, they're going to where is it Miami? I think it's Miami, right? Mm-hmm. This year for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That's it, and that's all. I'm excited about this football game, though, because Green Bay still gets to come in as, first of all, an underdog, which they absolutely should be, and also still play a little bit of the no respect card. And there's certain guys who get off on that, nobody more than Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers loves, has to have the chip on the shoulder thing going on, it seems like, to play his absolute best. And they, uh, you know, handled Seattle ultimately, and I think have I think this is going to be a very good football game at the you know at the end. I don't I don't know how pretty a game this is going to be. I think it's going to be this is going to be a physical game. I'll say that. I mean, this is going to be a game where two guy two teams are absolutely out for each other uh, in a way that is going to be readily apparent on Sunday. Bradley, I mean, I think the storyline is the uh, the grizzled gunslinger going for his last, may, maybe his last hurrah uh, in Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But also, when, it, when you break down uh, against the up and coming team, that's really been like kind of the the fresh look, innovative squad of this season in the 49ers. I think Kyle Shanahan's done a great job. Uh, we were having this debate the other day. Oh, one of my buddies and I were. 
Sean McVay, the 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 phenomenon that was Sean McVay, took mm-hmm. the NFL by storm last year, and he's he's got his cute little gelled hair, and he's an offensive boy genius, and he's been working in the NFL since he was twelve, and it's this great story. And you know, I, I'm gonna steal Mike Dugar's line. Then in the offseason, everybody everybody hired Sean McVay's cousins. Anybody that ever shook hands with Sean McVay gets a job. To me, in terms of the sustainability of winning in the NFL, Kyle Shanahan is superior to Sean McVay. He just doesn't have the quite the hype. All the story Ryan, around Kyle Shanahan seems to center upon who his father is, not who what the accomplishments that he's made. There's a great article yeah. in Sports Illustrated about the way that the Niners have built this thing over the last couple of years, and it's so revelatory in terms of the cohesion and continuity between the general manager, the head coach, and having a steady vision for those two positions. What Kyle Shanahan and the way the Niners play is not nearly as sexy as the Rams. I get that. They're not trying to Isn't throw. it? The common football-watching public has no idea who Mr. Jurassic Park the fullback is. They don't know this dude <laughs> because people don't care. Kyle Jurasek did not touch the ball last game. He's the best player on the field. Juszczyk. <laughs> Kyle Juszczyk is San Francisco's one of better players. It's just when, you're, when your best players are your D-lineman and your fullback and your tight end, it's just not as sexy. But you mentioned the the Chargers game for the Niners. I agree with your assertion that the Packers have one of the best offensive lines in football. If you follow uh, Pro Football Focus, they do grading out of every position, and mm-hmm. I think it's very uh, indicative of guys at positions where production's only part of the story. I mean, you can tell who the best receivers and running backs are because of their statistics, even your middle linebackers and your defensive ends because of their stats. It's so hard to evaluate other spots sometimes in football. But for the Packers, you had David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga who are, are becoming more some of the more reputable offensive tackles in, in football as the two highest-rated tackles in the game. But you also had Corey Lindsay as the second-highest-rated center. Lindsley, yeah. Lindsley in the game. The reason the Chargers ran rough shot over the Packers is they identified the strengths on that offensive line, but also the weaknesses. They moved Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram inside and they exploited the guards in the pass protection game. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be an interesting matchup for me is that San Francisco up and down their defensive line. I mean, they, they have absolutely the deepest defensive front in the NFL. That's I mean, right. Start with Nick Bosa and Armstead, and DeForest Buckner, and, I mean, Solomon Thomas is a a first-round draft pick. He comes off the bench. I mean, they have multiple dudes who can contribute. So that could be strength versus strength, but what adjustment does San Francisco make to exploit where maybe the offensive line isn't as strong? That part will be interesting. And then on the other side, the Packers' defense has been so much better but the Niners just wear you out. They got the best run-blocking offensive line in the league, and they run a true four-back system with a fullback. So they are, as a team, they're the number two rushing team in the NFL the this season behind Baltimore, right. which is, okay, fair enough. I mean, Baltimore, yeah, they had the ultimate plus one. Right, and they are the number one pass defense in the league. Now, they're only a middle-of-the-road rush defense, interestingly enough, but that's probably just because they are coming after everybody in the backfield all the time. So that does open up some gaps. And I think that you got to start, you know, 
Matt LaFleur, who's very good at this, by the way, with the underneath pass game, passing to running backs and slants and things like that underneath uh, and getting, you know, taking advantage in that sumo wrestling style of a defense that absolutely just wants to be so aggressive and come after you. And this is going to and and Green Bay has the quarterback that can manipulate that to a certain extent. But if the Green Bay offensive line, here's the thing. You could have the number one defensive line and the number one offensive line going up against each other, and that means nothing if the defensive line is just flat out better than everybody. Like, I mean, who cares about stats and ratings and everything like that? In the first game that these two teams played, that was the case. And the last time I checked, it's the same people playing this football game a couple of months down the line. Now, you can change your schemes or whatever, but, I mean, you find me. I mean, look, man, Lindsley, Bakhtiari, Balaga, whoever, all of them, they're great. You find me the guy who can block anybody named Bosa, and that guy's worth $50 million a year because he doesn't exist. I mean, that's 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 what you're dealing with, among others. Uh, so that's, that. you know, it's a major, major... It's going to have to be schematically overcome. I don't think that Green Bay or anybody can just line up man for man with the San Francisco defensive line and block it up well enough to actually win a 60-minute football game. It's just not going to happen. And so at some point, Matt LaFleur, who, by the way, is another young, offensive-minded, whatever-whatever guru, is going to have to prove his mettle against this outstanding defense. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. Here's the thing that's fascinating to me, is that we talk about all the things that the common football fan doesn't understand. The number one thing that the football, the common football fan does understand is quarterback play. And I think it's so fascinating that Aaron Rodgers has been the golden boy, the the considered, if not the, one of the three best quarterbacks in the league for 10 years and then this year, just because of a transition in offense that has resulted in greater team success than the last couple of years, his reputation has taken a hit. I just think it's fascinating that coming into this game, by and large, it seems as if the collective populace that follows the NFL thinks the Niners are the favorite because they have been on a roll and it's in San Francisco. But I, I guess what I'm saying is if this exact matchup was played out any of the last 10 years until this year, everybody that's just the common middle-of-the-road football fan would say, the Packers are the favorites because they got Aaron Rodgers, and I haven't heard that much as a narrative. Why? What do you think that – I mean, do you still think that Aaron Rodgers is elite enough to be the X factor in a game? We talk about this with the Seahawks all the time. The X factor for the Seahawks, no matter how, how they evolve offensively, is Russell Wilson. If you got Russell Wilson, you got a chance. Do you still think that's the case with the Packers? Of course. 
Was he not the X factor against Seattle? I mean, who threw the ball to Devontae Adams for a first down on the same drive that he then threw a first down to Jimmy Graham under great pressure, under yeah. duress? It was that's who did it. And that's what the that's what the common fan has to understand is that the Packers philosophy now has evolved to just get it to a third manageable because we got the dude who's going to convert all well, of them. And the other thing too is look, throwing for four hundred yards and three touchdowns is great. But nothing is better than converting a third and nine, even if you only throw for 250 yards or whatever it is, to to have the timeliness of what they're doing. And that's one thing that Green Bay has really never had. I mean, they this is a historically awful team when it comes to third down. It's, it's unbelievable, actually, how bad they've been on third down. But then they were because what, they like, can't run. They were, and, what, like 9 of 12 last week? I, mean, yeah, I think they, they converted. Yeah, like I think they were like 11 of, four, of 15 four. or 16. But, sure, yeah, but they, they, they converted, I think, seven of their first eight. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here, here's what bothers me, because this is what's going to happen, Coulter. What do you have in both of these championship matchups? Oh, well, I don't know that the Titans are an elite defense, but they're they're. Mm, I think they are. They're they're a better defense than 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 the Chiefs. Okay, they're not statistically a great they, defense. I, 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 should, I should say this. I don't think they're elite defense. I think they have a couple of elite and very underrated players. Who, who's the safety? Kevin, it's spelled like Bird, but I don't think his last name. Kevin Byard. Yeah. But he, he is an excellent yeah. player. But also, I, I said this when we were watching the Titans game last weekend. I think Jarrell Casey is the mo- one of the most underrated players yeah. in the NFL. I mean, Jarrell Casey is is he, nasty. He, he, he lit up. Look, man, you just held the Baltimore Ravens to 12 points. Uh, and, and, and the Tom Brady-led New England Patriots to 13 and also scored a touchdown deal. So in the postseason, they are they have been the absolute real deal. Here's my point. Here's my issue because this is going to happen. Yep. Either it's you know Kansas City versus Green Bay say in the Super Bowl and everybody goes. <laughs> so see, you have to have an elite quarterback. It's all about the quarterback so, play. So, or it's San Francisco and Tennessee. I mean, obviously those aren't the only two options. But then you go, oh, see, it's all about the defense. Defense wins championships, and nobody like they're all here. Who knows what's going to happen? I, I was I was arguing with this about a fellow Vi- with a fellow Viking fan recently because I was saying that the number one thing that's going to keep the Vikings from winning a Super Bowl with this group that has several players that make it them have elite talent. Is is the fact that they did this Kirk Cousins contract and Cousins is just not good enough. And my buddy was arguing they had to do it because you can't win a Super Bowl with Case Keenum. And my biggest argument was that if you have one of, if not the most elite defense in the league, which the Vikings are not quite there, but they they're more close to there than having the best quarterback in the league, you can. And I did a breakdown of him for him of the last twenty Super Bowls, and there's been. 10 guys who you could argue are by no no question not elite. And if you include guys like Joe Flacco in that, it might even be 12 or 13 right. that have won conference championships, not won Super Bowl championships, but have won conference championships as quarterbacks that are not Aaron Rodgers caliber, that are not Patrick Mahomes caliber. Now, you stole the words right out of my mouth because I was going to ask you a two-part question. Let's hear it. One, is Jimmy Garoppolo good enough yet to win a conference championship? And two... I think that the national media, I don't think this, I know that the national media pumps the most, the storylines that are most easily consumable for the American public to, to absorb to the masses. And, and a lot of times those are also the best storylines. They are. But I also think that it makes it so that it makes, they don't, the, the, the national football watching public doesn't analyze the game from anywhere beyond the foot, the, the quarterback right. perspective. Yeah. And I think that, 
what you just said to me is the evolution in the NFL that I love. You looked at the final eight teams in the playoffs. There's only a couple that are built upon. It was like 50-50. You either got Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, or Patrick Mahomes, or you don't, but you've done it in a completely different way. And I think it's showing the, the, the various ways to win in football. So first, is Jimmy Garoppolo ready? Is he good enough to win a, well, a conference championship? He is on the 49ers. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot. I mean, sure. to your point, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are ready to win a conference championship if you're on the 49ers, who are the number one rushing team in football and have one of the baddest, if not the baddest, defense in football. Right. I mean, so they. they I mean, if, you, if you're looking to be optimistic, if you're a Green Bay fan, that's exactly where you go. You go, are you kidding me? Jimmy Garoppolo versus Aaron Rodgers, no contest. And it is no contest. But you know what? They're not playing each other. You know, it's 22 dudes and more who are playing against each other. And, you know, they're absolutely critical to their team's success. And I do think that if Green Bay can 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 slow the run down. I don't think they're going to stop the run against San Francisco, but if they can if they can play well against the run, which is a I mean, what's one thing that we know about the word Shanahan? Run the football, right? I mean, going all the way back. So th- that's a huge huge ask. But if you can hold them below their season average of 144 yards a game on the ground and and limit them to 110 or something like that and force Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the football. See, the Green Bay has a hugely underrated secondary. They're really good on the back end defensively. They are. And they have proven now with Zadarius Smith and Peyton Smith and Kenny Clark that they can finally get after the quarterback a little bit. So passing the football, it's a it's it's not easy against the Green Bay team and they they are they they can get take the ball away. And put their, you know, put themselves in a great position that way with turnovers and so forth. So I think the, I think that's a real possibility. And I think Green Bay is more likely to create turnovers defensively, oddly enough, than is San Francisco. San Francisco is more likely because of Aaron Rodgers merely to make stops, which is, I mean, that's the name of the game, right? At the end of the day, but also, you know, if it's going to be a close game and one or two plays are there, I think they're there to be made. But yes, Jimmy Garoppolo, one hundred percent, is in a position to win the NFC Championship and go to the Super Bowl and perhaps win a Super Bowl, and it won't be because of him. And that is not unprecedented, as you pointed out. There's plenty of of quarterbacks Trent who haven't been the Johnson, reason that they've done it. Right. But you do have to make a play at some point. Like he, sure, he's going to have to do something. More importantly, you have well. to not you have to not sink the ship. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So tell me this. One last question on yep. this before we get into our our prep extra segment yep. here. Aaron Rodgers, I think, is the the quarterback in the modern game, certainly, but perhaps in the modern era of the NFL, that needs that second Super Bowl to truly... Everybody that's watched Aaron Rodgers play knows the the unbelievable, transcendent talent that he is. And before Patrick Mahomes burst on the scene last year, I think we both would have agreed that Aaron Rodgers was one of, if not the best throwers of the football yeah. we've ever seen. Yeah. His reputation and pivotal role for the success of this Packers team has been dissipated a little bit just because of the way that they've changed their scheme that's and right. the way that they've revamped their defense. And yeah. that's football in a nutshell. It's why the ultimate it's why it's the ultimate team sport. Yeah. You could have the greatest quarterback in the world like the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers and you're likely not going to get 
out of the NFC until you have a little bit of help elsewhere. You got to have it, yeah. But if Aaron Rodgers, this is his, this is his, I, I believe his 11th year as the starter. Yeah, maybe 12th. 11th or 12th year as a starter, 14th yep. or 15th year in the league. Mm-hmm. But he's got to have this second one. He's got to have this second championship, whether it's now or in the next couple years, to really affirm his legacy. But will his legacy be impacted because, it, say they win the Super Bowl this year, if the Packers win the Super Bowl this year, will it impact Aaron Rodgers' legacy because it wasn't the, the last one they won? It was him. It was him. They won three road playoff games to go to the Super Bowl and then yeah. won the Super Bowl with him thrown from his hip. And, I mean, that was one of the great catch lightning in a bottle yeah. and, and roll all the way to the title. The answer to your question is 100% no. I agree. It will not be. Nobody Nobody knows how Tom Brady played. They only know that he won six Super Bowls and was in three. Nobody knows. Nobody knows that Peyton Manning the, 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 noodle-armed his way to the best defense see, in the NFL see, to win see, a Super Bowl. I, I, do, his, I, do think, Super Bowl. I do think that people do know that, though, and I do think it is a little bit uh, – Everybody remembers that. Uh, the, Whether the, they the, remember it, but the, nobody's, the, the, and nobody's going, oh, well, Peyton, no, he really only won I, one asterisk. I, nobody. I, I get the point you're trying to make. I, I, I get the point you're trying to make, but I think that Tom Brady is actually completely unique in this argument. Of course. Because, because well, Tom, Tom, Brady, to Tom Brady's such a little pretty boy who has established <laughs> such he's established such a national reputation that he's blinded the whole football-following public to the fact that He's only been a cog. I mean, Tom Brady has been the guy who quarterbacked them to Super Bowls probably twice out of the, the what, six that they've won? Yeah. He's been a pivotal cog, but a cog in a machine. Whereas, like, Peyton Manning's first Super Bowl, it was Peyton Manning. Yeah. Brett well, Favre, it was Brett Favre. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I mean, the, 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 the best Super Bowl that Tom Brady ever played, he lost. To Philadelphia with 500 yards or whatever. No doubt. So, but he's different anyway because he's been I, I in just, so many. I but. just think it's so fascinating the way that we we hold quarterbacks to the standard where how many Super Bowls did you win? Mm-hmm. And it's funny because Eli Manning is like this guy who is he a Hall of Famer? I don't know. Eli Manning quarterbacked the Giants to two Super Bowls. Eli Manning was one of the pivotal factors in winning those Super Tyree, Bowls. That's what I think. Well, that's no, should be no, no doubt. But then there's also guys <laughs> like John Elway, who's undeniably a great quarterback. But actually, when John Elway won the Super Bowl, it wasn't John Elway that that's won right. the Super Bowls or Peyton Manning. Like Peyton Manning's last Super Bowl, he, he was a shell of it. But there's there's more than that to it. I mean, it's it's getting into the right plays. It's the preparation for everybody sure. to be at their best, which he is so responsible for. And I think Aaron Rodgers is responsible for well, it. Well, A-Rod is nowhere. I mean, John Elway was nowhere close to what he was during the, the 80s when he was leading them to Super Bowls, but, lo- but losing. losing. Yeah. Peyton Manning, shell of himself. Aaron Rodgers is not that. He, no. did, he just had a scheme change. And he still slangs it. Quick break. Come back. We're going to do uh, a little bit of uh, prep prep extra with you. And uh, and we're going to unleash David Graff on the humanity next. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do. So I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup. 
for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Coulter, it is time now for our prep extra segment. It's brought to us by the Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank, your Montana bank since 1907. And one coach, Coulter, particular in the state of Montana, high school coach, up for a national award, potentially. And deservedly so. Eric Pearson's a longtime head coach at Helena High, and Helena High this last year just won their third straight Class AA state title, and there's only been three girls' basketball teams in the history of the state of Montana that have won three consecutive Class AA titles. Mm-hmm. Great Falls High did it in the uh, mid-1980s. Missoula Sentinel did it, uh, I guess, the end of last decade into the beginning of this decade, and now Helena High. And they've had some tremendous players. I mean, Camden Hillborn, who was multiple-time state tournament MVP. She dabbled in basketball at Montana State and now is actually running track at Carroll. And Jamie Pickens, the two-time Montana Gatorade Player of the Year, who's now a true freshman for the Lady Grizz. So uh, Eric Peterson, he is up for the uh, 2020 National High School Athletic Coaches Association National Coach of the Year. Fantastic. Impressive, impressive. Um, Other prep news coming up. The one high school wrestling doesn't necessarily get the shine that it probably deserves. There's been some outstanding, outstanding wrestlers that have come out of the state of Montana. I mean, even just in recent years, they've, there's been kids that have gone on to Minnesota and Iowa state and power five programs to be sure. But one of the cool parts about wrestling, the state tournaments, the, the, the all-class state tournament Billings is a couple weeks earlier than basketball. It's not March Madness. It's usually late February that it occurs. But this time of year, mid-January to late January, there starts to be these invitational tournaments. And the thing that's so cool about high school wrestling is that it's an individual sport and a team sport at the same time. But when you have weight classifications, you can have the best of the best going against each other. And it's at the same time a state tournament primer while also sort of like an all-class battle for pride. The Tom LaProuse Invitational was in Bozeman last weekend. That draws teams from all over the state, all classifications. This weekend in Missoula, the Jug Beck Classic is going to be here in Missoula, and that's one another one of the big invitational tournaments. Yeah. But I think it's, just, it's cool because a lot of times you'll have – a bunch of, of guys in the same weight class that are that are probably not going to compete against each other hardly at all, right. except for in these sort of invitational tournaments. So at one time, it's a state tournament primer, but also, say you're the best guy in AA at 152, and you get to go against the best guy from Class B in 152, there's no disparity in far as numbers. That's right. If you're tough, you're tough. And if you know how to do it, you know how to do it. But also, you might be the guy who goes undefeated against AA competition in your weight class, but then you get to go against the other guy who's going to go undefeated in a different classification. Yeah, it's very... And so it's cool that you get these crossovers where it might be a match, you win, lose, or, or draw, you never know, but it has real no, really no impact on your actual state tournament livelihood. Standings, right. But right. could also propel you then to being able to do it in the state tournament. I mean, I, mean, I remember when Tucker Yates, former defensive tackle for Montana State, sure. was wrestling at Colstrip, and I mean... 
as you can Good imagine, luck. he was a heavyweight, but he, he would come to these uh, these these tournaments, and I mean, he would just toss these double A kids around. And everybody, who's this class B kid? And it's like, well, I'm going to go on a tangent here for a minute, but if I was a a college football coach, especially at the FBS level or the FCS level, excuse me, state of Montana, big sky coach, recruiting rural areas, rural states like Montana. I would make a priority to go to football games, certainly watch the kids move and all that, but I would be planting my butt at wrestling tournaments. Yeah, I mean, if you are a, a heavyweight wrestler that's agile on your feet and you got the toughness to do it and you got the dedication to do it, that's the type of guy I want to It's a good spot. No I mean, look at, look at Tucker Gates. I mean, I remember Tucker Gates, everybody was so... They were going back and forth. Is he, the kid's 5'11", so... Is he going to be a D one guy? Yeah. Well, then he wins the state tournament. He wins the Class B state tournament after tearing his pec, and everybody was like, "Oh yeah, that guy's a full ride guy." Because how tough can he possibly right. be? <laughs> right. Good point. Uh, very good, Th- Coulter. Thank you. That is our prep extra segment. It's brought to us by the Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank, a fourth generation Montana bank, local leadership for over 110 years with all the modern amenities you've come to expect. That is Farmer State Bank. Okay, boys and girls. Now this is not a secret here. But David Graff has been back there producing for us for some number of months, going back into last year now. And he's also been instrumental in the podcasts that we've done, both the Speculators and now the Grizz Greats podcast series. And it is time to welcome him to Two Tell Nuanas on the radio show. Uh, David, do you have your buttons in order where you can speak to the people live on the radio? Howdy, Ryan. Hi, David. David. Now, here's the ironic thing. Now, David is constantly talking in our ears while we're attempting to do the show, which is very disconcerting and discombobulating, but also evidently has, without our knowledge of it, spoken actually on the air, and people have heard you speak and say things, but we didn't realize because it all sounds the same to us. We got no way to assess this. So you have been sort of uh, 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 you know, moonlighting on the show anyway already. Is that right? I just chimed in the other day when you guys were wrong about SEC football. <laughs> now, now, here's the thing, David. Typical, people, standard. People will not, you know, they'll come to appreciate this and love this about you, but but we've never been wrong. We're the hosts <laughs> of the show. So, you know, I mean, I don't know where you're getting, because you're from, you know, Arkansas and close to the SEC, and I, we know, you, you can't tell me that Vanderbilt has an expectation that it's going to be as good as Alabama. Vanderbilt. That's what I said. Not Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Yeah. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Looks great. David on is me, also Vanderbilt. the absolute master of pronunciations. He's like the Google of pronunciations. Mm-hmm. This is true. So, David. And I am not. We're excited to have you that here. That is also true. <laughs> <laughs> we're excited to have you here on the show. And we're interested to know, okay, just, you know, for the people out there, what is it that you think that you're going to bring? What is your role in the live show going to look like here as we head off into 2020? Just here to provide the facts and the pronunciations mostly. So you're just going to be like the keeper of accuracy and you're just going to interrupt us to make sure that we've got Kyle Juszczyk correct and so forth and so on as we go. That, yeah. Well done with the Juszczyk pronunciation, Gus. Well, thank you. I uh, I try not to read the backs of the things. You know, it never really works out. Mahomes, I was terrified of that. I was like, how do you say Mo- how do you say that? 
And then it's like, oh, well, it's just Mahomes. But it doesn't always work out that way. <laughs> well, David, you've done a fabulous job. You deserve uh, uh, a big tip of the cap and credit for the Grizz greats because in addition to the production of the podcast series, you also were the one who was doing all the legwork and lining up guests. You've gotten, by the way, this show uh, has gotten a ton of guests. It would never have ever come close to getting uh, without David's work uh, during the days to uh, track down guests and things like that. So we appreciate that very much. And we will see, you know, as we go, how, what sorts of fights you decide to instigate when uh, the constant corrections are pointed out. Where here at the four, we just assumed everything we said was exactly spot on the way that it was supposed to be, you know? Sounds good to me. Doesn't sound as good as that scratch. What do we got here, little? Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. I know, it's not. It's not the record. It's the, it's the audio grid. That's the way the thing goes. David, thank you very much for being on the show. We appreciate you. I appreciate you, Ryan. Boys and girls, to tell Nuanas, ESPN Radio SWX. We'll see you tomorrow. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.